Hi, welcome to the show. My name is Kareem Kanji. This is episode 20 of Welcome. Today on the program, we have mountain climber and entrepreneur Romana Kasim. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. Now there's like those people that literally only ask you questions so that you can then ask them them a question so that they can continue talking. Oh, about yes, they yes, really yes. Really annoy me. Yes. So what kind of people don't annoy you? Uh, people like you. Okay. Uh, who are interviewing me, obviously. Yeah. Um, so that you can talk about yourself. So I can talk about myself. <laughs> I guess I am one of those people that annoy myself, which makes sense. Yeah. I feel like the things you don't like in other people are probably the things that you don't like about yourself. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So what? Oh, this is getting deep now. So what? <laughs> what things don't you like about yourself? Um, I mean, like most of us, I have a few insecurities that I could probably work on. I'm working through them. Um, Do we want to talk about them? Definitely not no, right now. Not here. I mean, we can't. We can't share that with everyone else. Okay. No one listens to this. Oh, right. Yeah. No one. That that. Just sense. um, just Fifi. <laughs> oh, what do you call? Do you call her Fifi? Do you call her Zahira? Uh, I call her Z. Z. Yeah, but I know okay. she also goes by Fifi. Yeah, and sometimes I feel I'm too old now to continue to use... Fifi? Yeah. Because that was like a childhood name? Because that was a kid name, yeah. Oh, interesting. But I, I still use it. But she's still a Fifi. And I think, I asked, I think I've asked her once. I said, is it okay? Is it like, do you mind? She goes, no, no, no. Call me that. I feel like it could be weird if like you were in like a business setting almost and like, <laughs> you know, you're with like the CEO of something and you're like, this is my friend Fifi. And they're like, wow. Yeah. Well, people name their kids Fifi. That's kind of cool thing. All right. So we're on. Okay. Um, so my Mandy story yeah. is your business. That is the name of the business. You run your business. Um, but that's only very recent, right? Correct. Yeah. How long ago? Um, it's been about seven months since I, uh, since I quit the corporate cushy job. Corporate cushy. Yeah. And this is like, so it seems to me like I read a bit on your, your Facebook page, your Instagram, your, your website. Yeah. Um, when did this because this is not something like hey let me try this thing um where did your your passion it seems to be a passion i think you identify it as your passion. when when did you start realizing it was your passion when did you start becoming i guess interested in 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 arts um i was always creative as a child Mm -hmm. um i don't really think i had the opportunity to to kind of hone in on that until probably like high school when art classes and those things were actually available and offered to us um, but the Mandy thing in particular, um, like, uh, of someone of like East Indian descent, I would attend a lot of like Mandy parties, like cousins getting married and family mm-hmm. friends and all that stuff. And typically, I mean, I don't, I don't know how many you've been to, cause a, a lot of times males don't attend, but, um, they get pretty busy and there's a lot of women that need to get their Mandy done. That's when I go and find a television. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> most of the men's are, li- most of the guys are usually chilling, like in the living room doing, doing other things. Although my brother loves Getting Mandy done? Uh, loves it. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a tattoo without, like, without the permanence, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so I can definitely see the appeal, for sure. Um, but yeah, like, I one of, I think it was my, I think it was my cousin's wedding. I was, like, pretty young. I was in, in grade nine, so I was 14 years old. Um, and we had an overwhelming amount of women at our Mandy party for, like, our cousin. Um, and just because I was, like, a creative kid, they were like, well, let's just go grab Romana and get her to help us out. 
And so they just kind of hand me a cone and we're kind of like, just go forth, my child. Go and yeah. But they might have, they, they probably saw that, hey, here's someone who likes to, I don't know, doodle, color. Well, I don't know. Yeah. they. I mean, I used, I always was a big scribbler, doodler. Like, I'm, I, I've been known to have some mild case of ADD, so I would mm -hmm. always be like in the corner when I'm doing when I should be doing something else. Yeah, um, doodling like, you know, in school, mission class, all those things. Like I would just always be off in my own world doodling. So yeah, I mean that could probably be where it came from, um, but yeah, that's pretty much how it started. So they gave me a cone, and because I had no training, I just kind of started freestyling on people's hands, and <laughs> it was really different from what every from what all the aunties were doing because mm. they are. Obviously, they were trained, so they have, like, they're probably more used to the the flowers and the paisleys and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and I was not. So I was doing really cool shapes and designs that appealed to, like, a lot of the, the younger people that were present at the Mendy parties, but also people that were older because it was fun and it was different. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it started, and that was that was quite a while ago. Yeah. So, so were, what were you doing, like, you know, before they kind of plucked you out of the crowd to say, hey, we need more people to apply Mendy? Um, at at uh, at weddings and stuff like what what was your outlet before that? Music. Music. Okay. Yeah. So I mean I'm I, I I mean I'm a visual artist, but I'm okay. also I'm also a singer. Um, I mean and we I've have mics here. Yeah, like this is amazing. All right. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I've dabbled in a few things, but I think like most high school kids, like I wasn't really ever sure. So I was kind of like playing basketball and playing with my friends and riding my bike and stuff. I didn't really understand who I was um, and how to express myself creatively probably mm -hmm. until like I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, so everything else I was kind of just doing to get by or to get into university or like it was always for another reason. Yeah. It was never to serve myself. So music, so singing, instruments, what were you doing? Um, I'm, I'm a singer. Okay. Um, and yeah, just uh, because I'm musically inclined, I can pretty much pick up many instruments and just kind of play them like, nice. from, like from ear. Yeah, which is really cool and uh, like a nice, I guess, like party trick, but I never... I never really pursued it. Um, it's something that I'm good at, but it was it wasn't really like a burning passion that I had. Like I was definitely more interested in doing, like creating visually, mm. being able to like hold the things that I that I that I conceived in my in my mind. So, high school for you, yeah. was that like you were in the choir? Were you in like art classes? Did that like drive you or um, or you were you just too busy being a kid to? I, I, and not not only a kid, like I was too busy being like social cool kid. Like I had to be doing all so the things. So you can't do school. the artsy stuff then. No, I mean it's a it social was, cool kid, can you? you no, know, it was, it was maybe kinda, these days you can. But. It was almost like taboo, right? To like join extracurriculars or do any of the things with like that teachers were like, I guess like co-hosting or whatever. So yeah, I didn't really do any of that stuff um, until like probably the end of high school, where musically we had like a we had a talent show like this is when like american idol was like a thing so we had a an idol for our school and i tried out because all my friends were like can you just do it like you have to put yourself out there and i'm like a kid and i'm like uh annoying sure and and then i won and i was like whoa maybe maybe i can sing um and that same year i ended up taking an art class but only because i needed to get really good grades and okay. you know like <laughs> back then it was like take art class it's breezy and it was not breezy at all yeah um and I fell in love with art. And my teacher at the time, like, I guess she saw something in me that I didn't see in myself mm -hmm. and really, really tried to, like, strong arm me into, like, getting into art school and, like, pursuing it, um, I guess, more seriously. But I guess given, like, how I was raised and, like, the traditions, I guess, that sort of, like, exist in, in our culture, I was like, mm, I don't know if art school is really a thing. Like, I don't know if I can do that. And I, and I applied anyway. And I remember 
like being confronted with the opportunity to choose between art school and going to university and like I felt like I had to go to university because like art school was like it was college and you had, like there was like this like stigma right? stigma around going to college yeah. um, and using your hands versus like getting like, a degree so or like a legitimate degree as it was were your, par- were your parents professionals yeah 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 would your would your mom do what your dad do my my mom worked for P&G okay. um and my dad like he uh he worked for go transit so i mean like they didn't they didn't have any like specific skills but they sure. definitely worked for like large corporations um yeah. and i think that's probably a lot of where that came from for them um funny enough i ended up working for png as well um because i was kind of like yeah that sounds about right makes yeah. sense mom's Mom doing it get in. um she didn't actually okay. um but i mean i i learned of the the vacancy um at, at the workplace like through her yeah. um and then, yeah, conveniently, I was able to drop her name at the end of the interview. And they're like, oh, yeah, we, we think we know I'm her. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my, my mom and I look pretty similar, too. So so while you were at university, were, did you feel that sort of regret? Like, I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, you did. All eh? the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I w- it's funny. Anytime I would, uh, like, we would have, like, end of year sort of, like, projects um, in university. I forgot what they were called now because that was so long ago. But I mean, this big project that was worth like 30% of your grade. And mm-hmm. I would always ensure that I was like doing something creative, like on top of the assignment. So okay. like, let's say the assignment was just an essay. Like I, for one of my, I took a music class and it was, a, it was actually a hip hop music class. And instead of just handing in the assignment, um, which was like a bunch of like words essentially i created like a like an lp cover and i drew all this graffiti on it and i had to like make it as creative as possible even though that wasn't like they i wasn't getting marks for doing any of those things but i'm like i have to turn this into some sort of like creative venture because i was miss i was lacking that in my life a lot interesting and and just curious well how did you do in that on that assignment i I can't remember but i got a really good mark okay yeah interesting yeah um did you have any outlets, creative outlets, while you were at, at university? Um, I did a little bit of, like, spoken word. But okay. it was, and it, again, like, it was nothing that I ever really took seriously. Like, while I was in university, I started working at P&G um, mm. as, like, a summer student. Um, and then I ended up uh, doing school part-time so that I could work at P&G full-time. So P&G kind of became, like, the the goal for me, like, getting into P&G and making sure that I get the job that I want there and all those things. Um, so anything else that I guess I was passionate about kind of took like a backseat. Yeah. Um, almost to the point where like I forgot that I was passionate about it. And then P&G actually had um, a fundraiser um, for I think it was Make-A-Wish Foundation. And they wanted people to donate um, art. And basically like, all the money that we would make off them, off the art pieces would uh, would then be donated. And I contributed like 10 pieces. Your own? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, like just paintings. And I hadn't painted since, since high school at the time. And they like sold super fast. Like there was a bunch of people that contributed, but my yeah. painting sold super quickly. And that's when I was kind of like, um, probably not, probably not doing the right thing. Kind of have a feeling that this is not it for me. And shortly after I, I left P&G and I guess the rest is history. I traveled, I traveled the world and did oh. all those things. Where did you, excuse me, how, how old were you when you left P&G? Uh, I was 25. 25. And then you traveled the world for how long? I didn't travel the world. I mean, I was exaggerating a little bit, but I definitely (laughs) bought a backpack close to here. Um, Yeah, I went to MEC and bought a backpack and um, booked a flight to London. Um, And conveniently, I had a a cousin's wedding there, so it kind of made sense to start there anyway. 
Um, and then I traveled Europe for three and a half months um, by myself, which was awesome. I met a lot of cool people. And like, I think I learned a lot about myself and how vast the world is and how you don't really need to settle and work at the P&Gs of the world if you're not happy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, when I got back to London, because I was flying back out, out of there to go back to Toronto, I wasn't ready to go home. So I remember like Skyping my mom and being like, hey, do we still have family in Tanzania? And she's like, why? And I'm like, um, kind of don't want to come home. And I had found like a super cheap flight yeah. to, to get to Dar es Salaam. Um, and so she connected me with the family that I had there. And three days later, I was in Dar. Um, and I ended up staying there for about three and a half months-ish. And I worked, uh, I worked for um, the Aga Khan Hospital, uh, ironically, the one that my mom was born at. So it was like a very full circle situation. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was cool. Um, and I did that, yeah, for three months, made some really, uh, like, awesome connections and great friends out there. I was doing cancer research. Like, I felt like I was finally contributing to the world in a way that was, like, meaningful. But yeah. again, not really feeding my soul, but at least doing something that wasn't as soul-sucking as what I was doing previously. Sure. Um, and then at the end of my, my trip, I was like, I should probably climb a mountain. Like, I feel like it's there. Like, might as well just go so ahead and... Mount Kilimanjaro. I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, yeah. And that was how I how ended the my my journey in uh, in Africa. So let me uh, let me ask you this. You're you you go to university cuz your upbringing and, and pressure from your parents you feel okay, I need to get a you know in in air quotes proper education. Yeah. I need to in air quotes get serious about life. I need to grow up. Um and then you you know upon graduating you start working and then you promptly quit to to go travel for, you know, more than 6 months. What's mom and dad saying? They were freaking out. Yeah. I mean, luckily, we were pretty advanced in technology, so they were able to, like, stay in touch via Skype and all the things. Um, but, yeah, they were they were definitely freaking out. What was that conversation? Mom, I'm quitting my job, and I'm going to Europe. She uh, definitely was not having it, but yeah. I think I approached it differently than how I probably had approached many of the of the things in the past. Um, instead of asking, I kind of, I told her. And I think that's when I was like, <laughs> and at the time I was still living in my parents' home. Sure. Um, so I think I felt a little bit more inclined to have to ask versus just like do. And that was very much like, no, 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 I'm doing this. I'm just letting you know, like, this is what's happening. I've already resigned. And she was like, oh my God, like, what do you mean? Like, and I mean, she worked there as well. So for her, I think she, I probably, she probably felt it a little what bit like differently. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been here for X amount of years and you've only been here for five and whatever. And like that, that whole thing. So, I mean, I understood, but I still, I recognized that I had to do what I needed to do for myself. Um, and it was definitely the greatest decision I ever, I ever made at the time. So like, um, I mean, it allowed me to figure out, I guess, where I, where I wanted to be at least in that moment. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it would, and it definitely was not, was not PNG. So, but my parents were definitely freaking out. They were like, what girl does this? Like girls don't do this. They don't travel by themselves and all, all those things, obviously. And I mean, and I don't think it's really common for East Indian women period to just like sure. buy a backpack and just kind of like set off on their own. Like I, I, at least from the people I've like spoken to and the stories I've heard, like, I don't really know that many that have done that. Mm. So I, I think my parents were also a little bit like freaked out because they had never heard of something like this happening. You know, like for them, this is like stuff that happens like in the movies. So other people's families. Not, not them. <laughs> yeah. And especially like not in our community. Right. So, um, and I think a lot, I might've been a little bit of like, well, well what are people going to say and what are they going to think? And you know, all that stuff. So, I mean, but 
we've we've all grown from it, and I'm I'm definitely a better person mm-hmm. from that experience. So, and I'm sure they're happy about that. How is it like going from Europe, like you know, the Western world, to East Africa? Biggest shock of my life. Yeah. And you had never been previous. No. So okay. my parents are born in um in East in Tanzania. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I've heard the stories and all all the stuff and the giraffes and the lions and the monkeys, which are definitely not anywhere close to the house I was like at. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure actually if their stories were lies and they were just kind of like trying to say those things to make us like feel bad for how they were brought up. Um, or if it was just really different 30 years ago, that's possible. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a drastic like change. It was de- definitely like a culture shock, like yeah. one, like something that, I mean, I had been to like Dominican and Cuba and those places in the past, but this was like, this was very different from what I had ever experienced. Um, and I think it's also because like I had an emotional connection to people that actually live there. And I was like, wow, this is how you, this is how you people live. Like, this is so interesting. Um, and after like, not even after three months, but after three weeks, I was so like humbled by the experience. Like I no longer was obsessed with like whatever was the craze that time, like MSN or Facebook or whatever it was like the things that like we, we become like, so I guess occupied with here didn't really matter to me anymore Hmm. and I started to actually like consider and care a little bit more about like relationships and friendships and family and and the things that that I guess I I wasn't paying much mind to while I was in in Toronto I mean I mean it's kind of easy to forget those things because there's so many other things that happen in our days like here Um, but it really allowed me to I guess to like to pay more more attention to the things that are important yeah. Um, which was cool. It was cool to bring that back to Toronto as well. But it was interesting because I was like, wow, I have changed so much. And everyone here is exactly the same. Like, I felt very displaced almost for a little while. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, like, it was, I just kind of jumped back into the, the Toronto, like, state of mind, um, which kind of sucked because I, I was <laughs> back to being stressed and anxious all the time. But, I mean, it was a cool moment in life to kind of, like, reset um, and relax a bit and, I guess, appreciate, like, the finer things. Yeah. Like I met kids out there that had didn't even have a fraction of what I had back home, and were willing to like materially wise, like yeah, yeah. and were just willing to literally give me the clothes off their back just to help me feel like comfortable, hmm. which was like, it, I mean, in hindsight, it like it's such it was, it was such a vast gesture, you know, like because I feel like here, like we we think twice about doing that for someone, whereas there they they don't have anything on, they're just like here. Like, are you cold here? Just take this and just wear it and take yeah. it take it forever. And I'm like, wow, cool. Really interesting. Yeah, it was really cool. So it was a really cool experience, definitely humbling. Was there, uh, did you ever feel like I could live in this place? I definitely saw a lot of business potential. Mm. Um, like, I think there is, I mean, East Africa is like, is really progressive. People might not recognize that because it, it, it seems pretty, it seems pretty like primitive. It's not from the um, outside, yeah. Right, yeah. But I mean, most people don't know that until they're actually there. There's definitely a lot of there's there's a lot of room um, for growth there. And I've seen I, I met a lot of young entrepreneurs while I was there as well that were doing doing really cool stuff out there. Um, so I saw opportunity, but at the time I wasn't in a very entrepreneurial like mm. state of mind. So I was just like, oh, that's cool. Okay, that person's doing that. They're around my age. Interesting, cool. But I mean, I miss my friends and I miss my. Yeah. So it's still a vacation, like a vacation for you it was, like, it, it was always temporary it was definitely temporary like yeah. i was definitely like oh, i can't wait to go back home and have like legit ac because it's so hot here and like or, no i mean malaria pills anymore yeah the malaria pills was a thing for sure like n- sometimes we wouldn't have hot water i mean the fact that we had to boil all of our water before we drank it 
Um, I mean, there were so many things you get used to it, but there was there was a lot of things that I had to get used to, which um, I mean, it took a while, obviously, because I've been here my whole life. A driver to take you around, which was kind of cool. The um, windows that always had bars on them. Yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm assuming you've been there. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was it was definitely very strange, but I mean, I guess I, I understand why that why that sort of exists. But yeah, it was it was a, it was definitely a, sh- a culture shock for sure. Yeah. When we went to Africa in twenty. 10? Were you guys in, tar- in Dar es Salaam as well? We went to Dar. We went, yeah, so we were in uh, Tanzania. We went to Kenya. We went to Uganda. And then we went to South Africa. So oh, this wow. Was, yeah, during the, I think, World Cup was happening. Nice. So, yeah. So, um, uh, but we the reason we went was um, we said, you know what? Let's just move there. Let's just leave Toronto. We have nothing holding us back. Um, let's just go. Wow. And move. Uh, so we've got family there that have businesses and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so my uncle said, what if you come in here and you actually don't like it? Yeah. I said, okay, fine. He says, why don't you come for vacation? Come for vacation, enjoy it, come, you know, and then see whether you could. And it was funny. So when we went, it was like always with an eye on could I actually, you know, see myself waking up here, working, you know, just everything. Um and it was like almost every place I went to goes, yeah, I could, I could live here, you know. Really? You go, you go to Zanzibar is like, oh yeah, I could live here. Zanzibar is like, <laughs> I mean, it's like a fairy tale. Yeah, it is, eh? Yeah, uh, but literally everywhere, you know, we went to, um, uh, what's the airport? You got the airport that uh, everyone lands at, not Kampala. I can't remember the name. Entebbe. You know, I said I could. Li- the weather there was perfect. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, you know, so that's why I ask, you know, whether or not there was any of that. And so when we left, we were there for, I think, a month. Uh, and so when we left, it was with the intention, okay, coming back home, yeah. let's wrap things up and leave. And it just never happened. So, you know, we're here now in 2016, six years later. You know. Still possible. Yeah, you never know. Things could change, right? But yeah. it's always. But then you know, all these things happen, and you go, "Oh my goodness, could I live there with all the security risks?" And yeah, you know. So it's 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 definitely different, but it's definitely something that, um, you know, we miss it. Yeah. You know, and and my wife grew up there as well. So. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she she loved it. She says, "Yeah, let's move. I've always wanted to go back home." Um, but yeah, it is a different lifestyle. It's definitely different. Sure. It's very different, but I mean, I, it's funny. I have moment. I had a moment last week where I was like, I really miss Africa. Like, I think I just missed like there was like a vibe. I can't really explain it, but sure, yeah. Um, it was like it was like a human vibe. Like yeah. people actually appreciated humanity and mm-hmm. like things like I said before, like friendship and love and those things that we like take for granted here because we're so preoccupied with other things. Um, so I think when I like feel like I really need to connect with humanity, I have moments where I'm like, man, I really miss like hanging out in the soccer field with a bunch of people that I didn't know until I got here, but yeah. everybody's so friendly. Um, Cause when they see someone that's young and like, I guess like relatable, everybody just comes up to you and like wants to talk to you. And mm-hmm. I never really experienced that um, when I was in Toronto, like I, maybe cause I look like a lot of other people. And like, I think I, I feel like we have a little bit of an, a little bit of a different attitude here. People are not going to randomly come and talk to you. Whereas when I was there, and if they do, it's like get away. Yeah, it's like, well, what do you <laughs> like? What do you want? Why are you trying to pick me up? Like all those things, yeah, right? Because yeah. that's what we've been conditioned to believe. Or no, like you can't. I don't have any change or whatever it is. And there, it's just like people are so open and ready to like start a conversation with you, mm-hmm. which uh, which I found so like it was actually like um, it was really sweet to to I guess recognize that that does exist somewhere in the world. Yeah. Um, 
And maybe it was me. Maybe I just wasn't open at the time. Maybe if I open up a little bit more, people will start randomly talking to me here. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's something that I miss about about Africa. We have to take out our earbuds and then. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> like I, I, I have them. I think I had them on when I walked in here. Like yeah. I have them on all the time. And that's a lot so of times true. I'm not even like listening to anything. I just don't want people to talk to me, <laughs> which is like so bad. Seriously. Sometimes, you know, you have those moods where you're like, please don't talk to me. Like, no one get in my way. I'm really focused on, like, my destination. Please don't talk to me. And there's a lot of people that will, like, kind of intercept while you're, like, walking down King Street and yeah. ask you for things that you don't really want to give them. So, you're like, if you pretend you're listening to music, no one's going to bother you. Interesting. Um, y- you kind of threw it out as a comment, like, yeah, and then I decided to climb a mountain, and so I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, you know these days, and maybe it's because of social media. You know, months in advance that someone is climbing Mount Kilimanjaro because yeah. they posted it. They're training. Uh, they might be doing it for charity, so they're ra- actively raising money and sharing status updates. Right. Um, you didn't just wake up one day and decide. You know, I think I'll book a a, a hike. <laughs> what was that? It definitely was no hike. That is for sure. Um, it was a it was a five day trek mm-hmm. um and uh it, w- it was kind of like a more of more along the lines of like i kind of just woke up and i was like i'm kind of here i feel like the mountain is somewhere in the vicinity i probably should do something about that maybe i'll climb it um but actually my funny story when we were younger um when we was at, we would have barbecues at the house my dad used to wear this t-shirt that said i climb mount kilimanjaro we were like super young and i was like did you, like, actually climb, like, when I was old enough, like, he'd wear it all the time. It was, like, you know you have, like, those barbecue t-shirts that you just don't really care about, so you always wear them because you don't care if they get dirty or smell like barbecue or whatever. So it was yeah. always the same shirt. And one day, like, when, as I got older, I was like, did you actually climb Mount Kilimanjaro? Like, that's so cool because now I knew what it was and, like, what that meant. And he was like, oh, no, no, someone just brought it back for me. And I was like, cool. And then, like, I think I, like, at a very young age decided that at some point in my life I'm going to climb this mountain and, like, bring back this t-shirt. And... So when I got there, I was like, I have to climb this mountain. And, and like, conveniently, someone that I was working with um, at the Ugg Khan Hospital was also interested. So we were able to, like, do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, she actually didn't make it to the top. She was kind of just like, go. Like, do it for both of us. Yeah, I mean. I, sick or? Yeah, she was, like, feeling lightheaded. And yeah. there was, like, I saw a lot of people, um, like, right before Summit um, that just, just couldn't, like, move. Yeah. Um, which was kind of, like, definitely not the thing you want to see as you're, like, about to to climb for the next 12 hours of your life. Um, but yeah, I saw a lot of that. I saw a lot of ki- like, there was this camp of kids that were, I think they had been training for like three months and like at least six of them were just passed out like right before the, wow. right before the summit. Yeah. So it was, it was a uh, scary. I saw a lot of crosses like, just, oh my and I was like, Hey, what, what's that? And they're like, Oh, you know, people that just didn't make it like so casually. Cause I guess it's so normal for that. Like the shirt, like I'm, but the you don't Sherpas need, you don't need ex- oxygen, right? No, you don't. Okay. No, you don't. But I mean, I, people uh, people do die from mountain sickness and those things if they're not taking care of themselves, if they're not hydrating, if they're not eating. Like, yeah. And you lose, like, you literally lose all your senses. Um, really? The higher you climb. Yeah. So wow. I, like, I felt, I felt no desire to drink anything, but I knew, like, in my head that I had to continue to, like, hydrate. Otherwise, I could have got mountain sickness. So did you train at all, like, leading up to this? Zero training. Jeez. Um, I wasn't, like, I, I wasn't the type of person that went to the gym. I still don't go to the gym. I should probably do You're that. Pissing off a lot of people. Right? <laughs> you had no training. You just decided. I, it's funny. Like I had no training. I was a smoker. Like I was like a very unhealthy human at the time. And my Sherpa, in fact, was like, "Well, like I'm talking to him about it, like about success rates and all that stuff." And he was like, "Well, 
you know, at least you don't smoke. And I was like, yeah, okay. And he's like, well, at least you're, at least you're, uh, you're fit. Like you obviously work out. And I was like, no. And he's like, at least you eat healthy. And I was like, no. And he's like, you know what? You're not going to make it. And he just straight up told me that. And I was like, I don't know if like, and maybe like they're, I don't know. They've just been brought up differently. So like the manners were different. Like I would never say that to someone like straight up. You're just not going to make it. Uh, but he was point blank, like you're in a point blanks rather. Sorry, you're not going to make it. And I was like, hmm, interesting. No one tells me that I can't do something. And like, I think that was something that inspired and motivated me to like make sure that regardless of what happened, I was going to make it. Wow. And so were there times as you were climbing where you say, you know what, it's, it's okay. Um, if I don't go to the no, top. I don't even not think not I allowed my mind to get there. Like really? I was so determined to get to the top. Um I mean, for many reasons, like the shirt, obviously, like kind of like spearheaded the entire movement. <laughs> Got to get my dad a shirt. Yeah. And I mean, I ended up getting my entire family a shirt. I was like, everyone needs a shirt. And now it actually like means something, you know? That's amazing. Um, yeah, it was really, it was a really cool uh, experience. Uh, and I'm so, and I think I learned a lot about like how, I guess, like powerful my mind really is. Like I was just there, there were so many moments where I was so tired and like, I could tell that my body just wasn't couldn't handle it but i would not allow my mind to like like to give up and so like i mean even when i was when i was climbing down like i was i was so out of it that i literally just like kind of sat down and started to like slide down which is like does it take to get down uh two days okay so three days up two days down yeah two days down yeah wow so like yeah i mean and you've got to do it like gradually like you can't yep so they give you you can't sprint you can't sprint. You know, you, ha- you have to definitely acclimatize. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you will get mountain sickness and yeah. probably die. What is mountain sickness? I have no clue. I can Google it, but let me ask you. What is mountain sickness? Um, it's basically when you just get, like, lightheaded and pass out. So, like... That's because of oxygen to the brain. Or yeah, something. yeah, exactly. Not getting enough oxygen to yeah, the yeah. brain. Um, and, yeah, like, people would just get tired and think they're going to sleep and never wake up. And Shit. Mm-hmm. So that's like, yeah, it it was a very, it's a very serious thing. Like when you're climbing mountains, like you, when you see people like just kind of like hanging out and closing their eyes, like you got to wake them up. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, wow. Because that's a sign that they're not like getting enough, enough oxygen to their brain. Um, So did you take like, I don't know, a a spare tank in your backpack or something? Nothing. Nothing. You just rest and someone, your Sherpa, I guess, keeps you awake. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, it was a cool experience. My Sherpa wasn't the greatest, to be honest. Because um, he didn't want you to climb. This lady smokes. She doesn't eat. He was not having it. <laughs> and funny enough, like, when we got to the top, well, I'm remembering all the things now. This was, like, five years ago. But, like, he d- doesn't he, like, spark a cigarette? And I was like, is this guy serious right so now? He was like, <laughs> oh, he's sick. But he can. Like, this is his mountains. He can do that. And he, and, but he does this trek, like, every week. So, like, for <laughs> him, like, and it was funny because, like, I'm, like, panting and, like, out of air and, like, so unfit for this and i mean maybe it's just not that i was unfit but like this is obviously not something i do every day sure and he's literally just like cruising and like just you know like enjoying enjoying the scenery like so chill and laid back because yeah like it's his mountain he has like 50 pounds of like stuff on his back and he's just literally cruising and i'm like struggling and trying to like hold on for dear life um so it was interesting to actually see that but yeah like he definitely got up there and like started to have like it started to smoke and I'm like, I can't breathe. Take a picture. Let's go. And he was like, I think I think I just ha- should have a cigarette. I want to enjoy this. And I'm like, oh, my God. OK, like, I just want to get down, like down from where we're at right now. I want to start to descend. Like, I'm not having this right now. It was very interesting. No um, photos up there. I took one photo. Yeah. Um, 
I think you can tell, like, I'm, like, hardly smiling because I'm so out of it. Really? Am I, like, yeah, my nose Physically, is sunburned. Mentally. Like, everything. Like, yeah. I was, like, that climb was 12 hours. Um, yeah, it was about 12 hours. So, I mean, I was exhausted. And, like, near the end, I had just stopped, like, hydrating and eating. I just couldn't anymore. Yeah. Um, so I was, like, I was just out of it. And, like, you, you wear these, like, really thick and heavy mountain boots. Um, so my, my legs were hurting. Like, I physically just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and I was at a point where like, if this, if the summit wasn't, or if, if that flag or whatever it was that I'm trying to like get to, wasn't going to show up in the next like little while, like I I'm done. I'm out. Wow. I remember like feeling that way. Like how far is it? Why is it taking so long? Cause I had heard that it takes seven hours to get there, to get to like this, to this point. And it took me 12. Yeah. And so like, it definitely took me a lot longer than it takes other people. And I think, I mean, I can't even remember why. Like, I must have been slowing down or stopping. or And I remember having, like, you have a cane that they give you so that, like, you can kind of, like, protect yourself from falling when, you, when, you, um, when you're, when you like, up against, like, a bunch of, like, rocks. Yeah. Um, and I constantly kept falling asleep on this cane. Oh, my goodness. So, like, I was definitely starting to feel, like, wow. the, the mountain sickness. So it was, a, it was a scary, scary situation Yeah. as I recount the whole thing. When you think back, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I'm like, I guess I could have almost died. Um, and I have asthma as well. So I had an asthma attack <laughs> right before the summit. And my Sherpa was like, you can't do this. And I was like, don't tell me what I can do. Because um, I'm a brat like that. But um, but I literally was like, no. I know I know my body. I took a little, like, I took some puffs. I was good. Like, that's why I have my puffer on me. And then I was like, let's do this. Let's go. So, yeah, there was a lot of things that came up for me, like, right before the summit. Like, I didn't sleep before because I had so much, like, excitement slash anxiety so obviously yeah. you can sleep it was really 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 cold up there so it's kind of impossible to sleep when you're at least for me like i can't sleep when i'm cold mm-hmm. um so yeah there was just so many things like that were i guess could have potentially deterred me from getting to where i needed to get to get to and somehow i still managed to do it so again awesome. like a testament to like how strong like our minds can be and then when you came back to toronto you're in the gym every day because you still know haven't no. gone to a gym um <laughs> i mean there was like a time maybe like last year where like a bunch of my friends were like, we should go to the gym. And I was like, yeah, cool. And I did it for like probably a month. Yeah. There was like a really cool spin class that I was going to at Good Life. It must have been. OK, I'm, an, I'm lying. It, it was might have been two months. And then I was like, I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm out. Like it just started to conflict with like life, you know, <laughs> like and the, like the, the shows I was watching and timing and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't commit to it. Uh, I'm a commitment phobe, actually. I can't really commit to many things. So, well, you've committed to a mountain. I committed to, but it was a sh- it was a very short term like commitment. It was like ah, five days, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> I can do that. I can do that. No big deal. I'll be back in time for Sunday TV. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it wasn't. It didn't really take that much that much out of me. But yeah, for whatever reason, I can't. I can't commit to the gym. I'm not a. I was never like an athlete, so I never really feel like oh my body needs to like work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did obviously like I'm sure everyone else say that 2016 it's my like my fitness year. I'm going to like trim up and like and get fit and start eating all the healthy things and not there yet. No, it's February. 20, oh my 20. god, it's February. Oh, it, oh 2020? It's just a nice number. It is a nice Two, number. 20 so yeah, 2016. No, it's not now. We'll it doesn't have to be now though. No, exactly. And there's I feel like there's too many things like too much good food. And like new pizza restaurants and things that are opening <laughs> up that you just can't miss out on. Like, why would you do that to yourself? That is so true. Yeah, yeah I love food too much. <laughs> so you come back to Toronto. Back you in Toronto, you, you hang out these uh, I climb Mount Kilimanjaro T-shirts. Yes, saw your family. You, you must have taken a family photo with everyone wearing. 
the t-shirts that uh yet? No. no 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 those those t-shirts are now the the barbecue t-shirts are they so. the barbecue yeah yeah does your family like wear them at barbecues uh no my dad definitely wears his he does <laughs> um yeah because it's like the t-shirt he doesn't care that much and now about. he wants people to ask him yeah did you climb it no my daughter did well it's funny because you get a certificate um oh, really? as when you complete yeah the uh, when you complete climbing the mountain and he has it like hung up it's like framed and hung up like oh he has it it's in yeah well I, at the time i was still living at my parents house mm-hmm. so when i got home like he's like where's the certificate i need the certificate and like he took it and like got this like really awesome like gold frame and put it up like right in the middle of all of our family photos it's like quite awkwardly placed when i think about it um but yeah like but it's in a place where like when people come over like they're seeing it and they're asking questions like well what's that like because it says like certificate of climbing mount kilimanjaro something like that um and it says my name and so like he is definitely extremely proud of it nice yeah i'm i'm kind of like yeah i climbed a mountain sure whatever I, w- what's the view like from up there did you did you stop to look or were you like let me I, get me out of here i did i took some pictures it's beautiful yeah. um it's uh it's funny like there's there's not a lot uh, as much snow as i, oh, I was, yeah, anticipated right. yeah. at all actually like there was like a little people are saying the snow is disappearing from there yeah and yeah. i was expecting to like to see like blue mountain styles like mm. snow but not not even a little bit um, really? which was interesting yeah and someone actually had told me the same thing that um that i guess cuz the, the path had been traveled so frequently like a lot of i guess the snow and a lot of like what used to be there is no longer there i think that's happening with a lot of places like i think it's happening at everest it's happening with machu picchu um really? mm-hmm. huh. um so yeah i mean it, it, it was still beautiful like sure. it's still kind of awesome to be above the clouds and to have that sort of view yeah um but it, w- it definitely was not what i what i expected like i expected to be on top of a mountain and literally just see whiteness um but it wasn't like that at all interesting what do you do when you come back what did i do when i come yeah. back um about a place okay yeah, so I uh, exp- after being I guess solo for like seven months and like not having parents to ask me where I was going, or what I was doing, and why, and all the things, um, I was like, I need to be free. I'm like ready to like leave the nest and start my own life. So yeah, bought a place mm-hmm. um, without a job because uh, you know I had I had P and G savings, which is good. Nice. Um, yeah, so I got I got a place and then I started working at an advertising agency. Okay. Um, for a little bit, uh, definitely was not, not my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> but while I was working at P and J, I worked with a lot of our ad agencies, um, that did like a lot of our campaigns and stuff. And I was like, their life seems cool. Like they would come to the office and I'd be like all suited and booted and they were wearing their jeans and their like wow, polo so shirts. And creative like, agencies. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, wow, they're cool. Like I need to do what they're doing. And I, I don't think I really understood like what agency life was like and then i got there and i was like oh my god what did i do to my life um but i crushed it out for like a year yeah um and then i left and i started working for a technology company um Mm. in sales uh and they were more of like a startup okay um so everybody there kind of had like a very entrepreneurial spirit um super innovative like very startup culture which i appreciated i learned a lot from my peers and my mentors uh, at that company, um, and that's the that's the uh, the corporate cushy job that I that I left recently. Yeah. Um, so yeah, did 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 some did some things not at all art related um, before I decided that like I can't continue to do something that doesn't satisfy my soul any longer, um, and that's when I decided to to just quit 
and started the business. Did you like quit on a dime? Like you woke up one day or did you like, was there any prep? Oh, there was definitely prep. There was, um, okay. Yeah, so after my stint in sales, yeah, uh, a marketing position opened up. Um, and at the startup still. At, yeah. Um, and uh, my background was in marketing, at least okay. like through P&G, I was doing marketing. I was like, this makes sense. And the role was for a con- like it was a content r- content writer position. Mm-hmm. And I had done English uh, in university. So I was like, yeah, this totally makes sense. This is very much in line with like my experiences professionally um, and what I've done in school. Like I'm going to go for this job, get the job cool like everything seems like gravy and um i get to like i start doing the role and i start to recognize that the dynamics of the team are really weird and um the person that was managing me was definitely not fit to do her job so there was like a lot of like Hmm. department issues um and yeah like it literally it really took a toll on on my life because i was like very excited and i'm the type of person that like i will give my all to whatever i'm doing um, and I found that there was all this like external like drama outside of the work that was wasn't allowing me to do my to do my job and do it well. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was able to like deal with that for like seven months, and then I and then I clocked out. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of how like how it went down. So I mean, in hindsight, I am so grateful for having a twat of a manager. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, I think if I didn't have such a horrible experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't have felt inspired in any way to to leave. I would have just been comfortable like everyone else, and yeah. and just kind of like continued with my you know my everyday regular life. Um, but because I was in such a bad place, I was like something really needs to change. Something drastic needs to happen. Um, and I was actually having a conversation with my dad, and I was like, I hate my job. Like, I need to start a business. I need to get out of here. Like, what do you think I should do? And he was like, Why don't you do Mendy? And I was like. Ugh really dad like that's so indian like i don't want to do that and like yeah i had like a mm. i had a very uh interesting reaction to it um and and he was like well you know something that you're good at like you don't really have to like invest in like training and getting to like and, and getting good at it and i was like yeah i don't, I don't know i'm not really I'm not really there yet and then i remember taking so you're that, still doing mendy at people's weddings and stuff like that i, I was doing it on the side but yeah, it, yeah. I, I was like no this can't be the business like it doesn't, yeah. doesn't make sense like it can't there's be no money in this and yeah and it just can't be the thing right mm. um and so i took i remember taking that back with me and like thinking about why i i had that reaction yeah and that's when i was like there's something that i don't like about about the way the traditional application of mendy and it's that it's very insignificant right now. Like mm. it means nothing to the people that are having it, like having it done. Like, it's not even like they get to choose. Like, it's kind of like you just, you just sit there and you like hold out your hand for some auntie. And then she just kind of just starts like doodling on you. Yeah. Right. So there's no real conversation. There's no, um, it's not, it's not, it's not intimate. Like as it should be, like if I'm going to like adorn you with some sort of art, like, Hey, let's talk about what you like. Let me, let me like, get to know you to some degree so that I can kind of, or we can together decide what you want to have on your body for the next two weeks. Like none of that was happening. Um, and that's, that's how like my Mandy story was conceived. So essentially my Mandy story is, um, it's basically like the tradition of, of Mandy or henna. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the, with, with intention. So I talk to my clients and I understand like who they are as people and, you know, what their personal journey is, what their story is. And then I take what they told me and I spin that into like a, con- like a design concept that I then adorn them with so that the end result is actually like 
a reflection of like, you know, in a wedding circumstance, like a reflection of like the couple and their love and how they got together. Mm-hmm. Um, or if someone, you know, I've, I've done, I've done cancer stories before. So like, um, people that are like battling or like cancer, um, I've done crowns for them. Wow. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's really powerful. Um, and I like, I'll put like, you know, really inspiring quotes like in the, in the crown that speak to them. Um, yeah. And so like it allows them the, I've done, I've done women. Um, and I, I think it's for me, it's important to do that because I feel like as women, especially in North America, um, we're so attached to our hair and like what that means and what sure. media and culture has made that mean for us. So when women lose their hair because of like something that they couldn't control, I think it really I think it really affects like how they feel as as people and how they feel as like figures of beauty. Um, so anyway, it's like I adorn them with like these really beautiful crowns that have like really inspiring messages that, you know, mm-hmm. last for up to two weeks that they can like look in the mirror and feel good about themselves again. You know what I mean? And maybe it only lasts for two weeks, but at least, at least it's two weeks of like feeling, feeling pretty awesome about yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. Like I like to, I like to incorporate your personal story, your journey into the, into the Mendy. And that's not currently happening right now. So you're not at these parties putting Mendy on every other person. You're, uh, you're focused on your client, the bride. Bride. Yeah. And, Yep, I, I I do I I do do the bridal party and like okay. the other people that are there, but yeah. um we'll do like a a custom monogram for them or like you know like some sort of like logo that resonates with the couple that the couple wants everyone in the bridal oh, party to have. I see. Um so like I mean I have a couple that I'm working on and I'm trying to like trying to get them to do this, but uh they met at a Raptors game. And so she's okay. going to have a like a Raptors logo and some basketball stuff in her in the palm of her hands. Yeah. Um and I want everyone there to also have a basketball or like a, like a like a very like love and basketball type of feel in their Mendy as well. So we're working through that right now and hopefully it works out, but that's what I like to do. I want everyone at the at it, that's involved in the Mendy or at the Mendy party to feel like they're involved in like in the love and in the process. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's cool. So how did you come up with this idea from I'm not just going to do Mendy, but there there's this sort of whole um, consultation, and and you're you're calling them clients, and you're not calling them you know whatever. Yeah, um, I mean I've I've always been really into tattoos, and so I have I have one tattoo, and it took me like probably took me like five years to come up with the concept, but when I when I came up with it, um, I mean it's probably been like twelve years since I got it, and mm-hmm. to this day I'm still so happy with like like what it is and what it signifies um and i i think that's where like a lot of that that where where this idea sort of came from like i even though mendy is temporary it's still it's still like it's still an expression of Mm -hmm. like of yourself it's still body art so i wanted to give people the opportunity to express themselves through this art that's going to like be on their body for two to three weeks or however long it like however long it ends up lasting um so that's kind of like how like i think that's yeah, that's definitely probably where I where the idea came from. I was like, I like tattoos. I think about my tattoos. I want to give other people the opportunity to do the same thing, whether it's temporary or permanent. And like, speaking of which, I'm actually trying to uh, to like get an apprenticeship as a as a tattoo artist. Um, ah, because the I mean the skills are like they're pretty transferable. Um, and you know, wedding, mendy, and all that stuff is it's a seasonal business. People aren't always getting married now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like definitely a downtime during the the winter months. Um, so I think it makes it makes sense to uh, to still be creative and still be That's so cool. adorning people, but maybe on a more permanent uh, level. Yeah, 
That's very interesting. I wanted to ask you this. I don't know if this is a weird question or not. Um, <laughs> I already feel like it's weird. It's, this is already weird. <laughs> 45 minutes into it, it's, it's weird. Um, and and I, I got to go quick on this. But it, it just occurred to me that you're in a profession where you're working with uh, predominantly women. Yeah. Um, at one of their most important days, if not their most important day in their life. Um and then you're you're also you're, you're talking to you also work with cancer patients, um, going through a very emotional if not physical uh, challenge and experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and the work that you do, you're actually also in physical contact with them. You know, um, and and it struck me when you were talking about you know uh, working with women who have cancer and doing these crowns. I'm, I'm very curious. Is there as you're applying the Mendy? And, and you're 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 touching their head, or you know, um, I'm, I'm just curious, like wh- what's going through your mind as you're doing that? Like, is like, do you do you experience anything as you're doing that outside of this is your client? Um, I mean, I'm I'm definitely extremely empathetic, mm-hmm. um, especially in is that a weird in, question? No, I okay. mean, thank you for asking that. <laughs> um, I've I've not actually had to think about what I was thinking in those moments, but yeah, like I'm definitely. I mean, it's definitely emotional, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I'm the same person, um, for my friends and my family. Like I like being there for people. So when, when I'm adorning these, w- these women with their crowns, like they're actually talking to me and they're talking to me about, about their experience. And I think they're just grateful to have someone to talk to who's willing to listen. And cause I, I guess, I mean, maybe that doesn't happen for them as frequently, mm-hmm. um, and I like being a sounding board. I like being like that confidant, like that person that's sort of able to like allow them to express themselves while I get to express them while I, well, this is weird. While I get to express themselves through my, my art. Does that make sense? No, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like while, while I get to express their story for them yeah, um, in a, in a way that's like beautiful. So yeah. Um, but it's definitely emotional. Like wow. that's, that's for sure. I mean, the same thing with the, with the brides. Sure. And it's funny cause like a lot of times like brides start telling me the dramas and like how they, they don't like so-and-so and like, cause there's mother-in-law to be. a lot, a lot of mother-in-law ones, actually a lot of rants with the mother-in-laws. <laughs> um, because I mean, they say that the, the darkness of your stain on your hands is a reflection of how much your mother-in-law loves you. And so I always tell the brides that I'm like, you better keep this on for 24 hours because this means like, and it, it's an old, like it's yeah. an old thing. I can't even believe it still exists, but like, you know, a lot of the moms right now are like of that generation. So they really, really care about that stuff. And I remember this one, <laughs> this one bride was like, take it off right now. And I was like, wow. Okay. Oh that's a, uh, that is heavy. Um, and then she just started talking to me about it and like, just kept, I mean, we're sitting there for probably like three hours, like going like, I mean, doing all of her like bridal Mendy. Yeah. And she's just like trash talking her, uh, <laughs> her mother-in-law. I mean, I'm amused. And I'm trying to advise her, and I'm like, well, you're kind of marrying into this family, so maybe look at it this way. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you definitely get to, like, I, I definitely have, I get to create personal relationships with these people through whatever it is that we're celebrating. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's a survival story or a love story, yeah. it's really, really cool to be able to connect with these people on that level, um, which I, from from what I see, is not something that, um, is not is not part of the experience traditionally. Like, a lot of times it's like, brides just kind of have their hands out and these people are just like kind of like scribbling on them and there's literally no conversation taking place so that's definitely like a an element i guess uh, of the business that is unique i feel like at least right now Mm -hmm. um from what i've seen like it's not like i've 
been adorned by every Mendy artist in Toronto. Um, but at least traditionally, what I've seen, it's a lot of, it's a it's a lot of no talking. It's a lot of just like yeah, absolutely, ho- yeah. Hold your hand out and just yeah. sit there quietly for four hours. Wow. While all your friends and mm. family like are drinking and having all the, like all the fun yeah, at yeah. your Mendy party. That's so true. Yeah. Um, what's what's the biggest challenge of being a business owner? Oh, um, it is a. But finances are a challenge. Hmm. Um, that's that is yeah. The struggle is real. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, and for me, I think it's because, I mean, it's not like I have like I have an investor right now. You know, that's like willing to just kind of like float me some cash. I'm like, here you go, girl. Like, put yeah. that into your marketing or your social media or your SEO strategy. Like, none of that's really happening for me. So for me, everything's coming like everything's kind of coming out of the same bucket. Mm-hmm. So it's like my life fund and my business fund are the same fund. Yeah. So I mean. I have to like make I have to I have to get creative with how I make and spend my money. So I recently actually um, decided to to move in with a friend so that I can cut like living costs. Yeah. Um, so you sold your place? I didn't sell my place. I'm going to be renting it. Yeah. Um, but it was very difficult for me to get to that place because sure. I was like, wow, at 25, I bought this place. Yeah. But at 31, mm, can't exactly afford to live in it. I mean, I could, but I'd have to hustle really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and you know t- and take up extra jobs and like spend time making money which is cool but i want to spend time investing in my business so yeah. if i can sort of like cut that cost like the most the biggest expense that i have in my life right now in half or even even in a third i am more than happy to do that yeah. um but it, it took me like at least two weeks of like of like thinking and meditating to actually get to that place wow. um yeah because i mean it's a pride thing too right like at 25 i was kind of uh I was really excited to um to to have a to have a bit I mean to have had my own property like I was kind of like the coolest kid in my crew like oh my god you have your own place like yeah. let's all have parties at your house now because I was the only one that had it and now now I'm like okay gonna take a few steps back maybe not steps back I'm just I'm just being smart I guess like that's where that's where I'm at right now doing Good. smart things so and what's your biggest joy about being a business owner? Oh my god I love not having to answer to to anyone Yeah um yeah it's pretty awesome and i also (laughs) i also love um i feel like ever since i i decided to take this path i have met so many awesome individuals who are doing some version of what i'm doing whereas before when i was on the other side of the fence like on the corporate side i didn't realize that entrepreneurs existed i didn't realize that that artists existed um or any of the alternatives existed because that wasn't that wasn't my scene that wasn't like who i who i was really hanging out with whereas Mm -hmm. now like my entire social circle has kind of changed like i have every month i meet up with this this crew of females and we're called like it's called a lady boss like crew and we just talk about all the different challenges about being like a female entrepreneur and like i wouldn't have never had that seven months ago because that wasn't where i was at so it's really cool like the different communities and groups i've been able to like i guess like be a part of now that i'm on the other side but before like i was like no that doesn't exist there's like one person that you know that i saw on breakfast television that's doing it in all of toronto and no one else is doing it everyone else is working for cibc or like yeah one of the other major banks um so it's really cool to like to finally like wake up and and recognize that this is kind of this is also a path just a path less traveled yeah awesome um thank you for this thank you i appreciate it um where, where could people get in contact with you? Um, they should definitely check me out on my website. Yeah. It's www.mymendystory.com. And all my contact information is uh, is there on the contact page. Awesome. 
Listen, all the best to you. Thank you. It was great finally meeting you. Yeah. And, Although um, virtually was kind of cool. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks.